welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Thriving Advisors Podcast. With me today is Jonathan Goldhill, and uh, Jonathan's got some rich, rich experience in the coaching space, working with entrepreneurs and business owners, and so I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ike. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So I'm going to hop right into it, man, and... Um, I'd love for you to just start off by telling us a little bit about your company and maybe what you guys do at a high level. Sure. So my company is the Gold Hill Group. It is basically me. I use some outside folks to help me just support the um, uh, infrastructure of my business. I'm a business coach who focuses on companies that are either growing fast and want to get more control over their business, or maybe they're growing too slowly and they need help with putting a roadmap in place. I'm basically a business coach that looks at how do you strategically grow this business? Um, so we look at sales and marketing, we look at operations and finance, we look at all the different functional elements of a business, and I coach the CEO and their leadership team by implementing best practices um, from scaling up companies. So that's awesome. high level. Yeah, sort of high level. I'm always intrigued about how we land at what we're doing in the chapter of our, the lives that we're in. So yeah. why don't you take us back a little bit to uh, Jonathan before the business coaching and leadership and mentoring and all the stuff that you're doing now. What, what led you down this path that you're yeah, on? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, my grandfather and his two brothers and their father built a very large and successful um, manufacturing business in Philadelphia and headquartered in New York City. That business uh, afforded a lot of freedom to my family. Um, at the age of 20, uh, I took that newfound freedom and adulthood and, and went west in search of uh, 
you know, California, the sort of the land of sunshine and promises. Um, I know a lot of people will go to New York City when they want to be get into theater or acting. You know, I wanted to go into California so you could sort of like find yourself and find my uh, inner inner bliss, if you if you will. Was, was a surf surfboard part of that? No, no, a surfboard Ike was never part of it, and I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't know how to surf. But sure. but running on the beach, cycling, doing yoga. I've been practicing yoga for almost 30 years Wow! and it's something that is near and dear. I went, I remember being 20 and going to like some meditation and yoga centers in San Francisco. And so it was, you know, that stuff really interested me. I, I had a certain amount of freedom. I got involved in, in organizations that were community-based trying to make a global change in the world, starting with the neighborhood first. And then I, Eventually got into a small business. I started with a partner. Uh, it was an art and clothing business. I thought I'm taking off where my grandfather left off. He was an artist who was a clothing executive. You know, I was a uh, I was in business with a clothing artist who I wanted to turn into an executive, but that wasn't going to happen. He uh, he he wasn't going to become more uh, trustworthy or serious. So. I closed that business down, decided that I really was interested in going back to school. I wanted to get an MBA in entrepreneurship so that I wouldn't have a failed business like that ever again. And I ended up getting into consulting and consulting other people in their businesses and did that for literally a, a decade or more. I've helped build uh, the largest economic development center in all of Southern California, all of the state of California, actually. We were the, the state's leading lender for small business loans. We had the largest counseling center for small businesses. Those were startups and existing businesses. And that was really what got me going into consulting as a career path. And then I just sort of switched, turned that consulting upside down to coaching, realizing that most small businesses have and medium businesses, size businesses, they have the same problems as uh, all, all these other businesses. And that if I just learn some proven practices that worked in all businesses, that I could help implement and install these best practices into these client companies. And so that's what I've been doing for the last uh, 15 years as a coach, 15 years prior as a consultant. So 30 plus years combined. And so at full circle, I thought, you know, why are most of my clients family businesses? And why are most of them the next generation leaders in family businesses? I found that when the older guys, guys my age and older, would hire me to coach them or coach their child, that those engagements didn't last more than six months. The child wasn't that committed. The parent wasn't really that invested. Um, it didn't think that the child could change. But when the young adult who was 25, 30, 35 years old contacted me and wanted to make changes in the family businesses that they were, that they were basically in, born into or inheriting or uh, getting an opportunity to run, that we could really do a lot of things together. And that's why I started coaching next generation leaders or the rising generation in family businesses. Interesting. You know, there, there's an important distinction there that I think you would 
serve our audience well by delineating between two words that are often thrown around in our space. And I think, you know, more than half of the audience doesn't really know the difference between the two. So you started off consulting, you transitioned into coaching. In your mind, what's the most effective way to delineate the distinction between consulting and coaching? Uh, coaching coaches usually have a playbook. Um, they come in, in with a, a playbook, which has a series of best practices and they coach you with a customized educate using a customized kind of education so that the education is cash flowing and paying for itself. Consultants come in, spend probably an enormous amount of, a lot more time upfront studying the business and studying the industry. Um, they tend to cost more like tens of thousands of dollars on the upfront side. And then they make recommendations for what you could put into place. So there's usually a deliverable. Uh, there's a deliverable being a, a report, um, some kind of a product that they then implement and install into the business or they just leave you to implement and install. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that's kind of how I see the distinction. Cool. I'll go back to your probably one of many failures uh, with starting that business with the clothing artist. What do you see as the top lesson gained from that experience and how is it shaping the work that you do today? So, well, I mean, maybe the top lesson was to choose your partners wisely. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be one. If you got top three you want to share, I'm sure it would all be very useful. So. Yeah, that's real. That's one big one. Um, several years later, coming out of that, uh, I developed uh, partnership issues to consider. Uh, not a checklist, but a questionnaire that I use with each of the partners to create an alignment conversation. Um, so that was... Uh, probably the top lesson I learned out of that business. And the secondary lesson was that business would have probably succeeded if we were from the same family. So like I said, so my grandfather was an artist who painted prolifically and was a very successful clothing executive. And I thought, wow, I'm taking art and clothing and literally doing art on clothing. This is going to be a really successful business. What was missing was that my partner and I were, you know, we met at a party and uh, that should have been where we kept it. It was, a, it was a party the whole time I was with him. There was no family. There, it, it felt so, too much of a, um, him versus me. At one point, he said to some people when he was under the influence of drugs that he was going to die you know, live rich and, and die broke and that he would basically take all the money that I had that, you know, that I would make available to put into the business and he would spend it right down. So he was going to take me down with him and that, like being, you know, living rich is great. Dying broke. That's a tough thing to, to manage. Um, I wasn't going to put my hands, put my trust into his hands. So I think that, you know, you have to, understand that like family businesses have a different dynamic you might be fighting a lot as siblings but no one's probably going to have your back 
like a family member is going to. Gotcha. So you shared something I thought was interesting um, about the kind of work that you do when the older proprietor founders brought you in. Engagements weren't as successful as when the younger successor actually took the initiative. What do you see as some of the, maybe the biggest problem um, in that family business? You know, in, in that dynamic, I mean, you know, think of uh, if you're, you know, you're, maybe your parent wanted you to do something when you grew up. I, I remember my grandmother wanted me to be a lawyer mm-hmm. because that's what her son, my father, was. Sure. And, um, and unfortunately, he died when he was 35. I was two. And so up it's until the age of, yeah, so, but up until the age of 20, I thought, I'm going to go to Yale Law School, just like my dad, and I'm going to become a lawyer, just like my grandma wants me to be, and I'm going to love it. And then I, after one intern summer, you know, clerking or whatever, intern for a law firm, a lawyer, yeah, I, thought, law I hated this. <laughs> Horrible work. I really despised what lawyers did for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a big that was a big aha moment for me is that the motivation has to come from within you. If your parent wants you to be, you know, in the family business and you uh, don't aspire to be in that family business, maybe you have an entrepreneurial, like I find there's a lot of children of entrepreneurs that are become entrepreneurs themselves and they have no interest in, in mom and dad's business. Your mom and dad started a, a print shop and they got into sign graphics and, and it's a nice business. It's maybe throwing off, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe million dollars of income. And they think, you know, there's nothing proprietary about this. I could start an entrepreneurial business that would have a much more of a barrier to entry. And I could be a, you know, have a much bigger business. I want to do it myself. So that motivation, you know, you, you can't take what the parent wants and, put that uh, like as a blueprint on the younger generation and know that that's going to line up and that younger generation is going to want to do what the older generation wants them to do and vice versa. You see a lot too often, you see um, parents who started a business, built a business, they still work really tirelessly and then they bring the child into the business and the child has a sort of a, kind of a laissez-faire sort of lazy maybe entitled kind of a you know attitude and the parents like look could you coach them up maybe i just want to see if they've got the motivation the interest and you know the engagement doesn't last very long because i quickly come to realize like this kid's not really that he's not hungry you can't you can't um i was gonna say you can't teach hunger but you probably could i just don't know you sort, it has to be something that develops, is nurtured. So I have to believe, and I know this uh, for a fact, that it's, it's the desire of every entrepreneur, business owner who has kids to at least give their, give their kids the opportunity to take over, right? So family legacy, succession. Mm-hmm. What's, what, are, what are best practices to try to help bring that dream to reality for most entrepreneurs? Yeah. Well, let's start with worst practices. Because sure. if anyone's watched the television show, show Succession, 
with the um, Logan Roy at the head of the family, like dividing and conquering, separating your children, uh, probably the worst practice ever. Like not, in other words, sort of being deceitful, um, not being encouraging, dis, you know, discouraging. So those are some of the sort of the heinous practices that are shown all too often in that television show. It makes great drama. Yeah. Personally, I can't watch it because it's so uh, it's so painful. I'd much rather watch an episode of The Prophet with Marcus Lemonis, <laughs> where he goes into a normal, healthy, and and sometimes and oftentimes dysfunctional family business, and he he deals with the family, you know, disharmony. Yeah. So so what is what should be encouraged? Harmony should be encouraged. It's super important that your kids um, are all playing on the same team, that they, they fight fairly and they do it above board and that you're in teaching values that will keep these kids together. Um, so I think harmony is really important. Um, I think also teaching, like I just said, if you can teach it, teaching your kids humility, mm. teaching your kids to be hungry and uh, teaching them to be really good team players. So you've got to, you know, root out and get rid of arrogance. It's, there's no place for arrogance in, um, in a team environment in, in, a, in a company. You have to make sure that your child is coachable, that they're open to learning, that they listen, that they are empathetic. So all these soft skills that are being talked about in, uh, in leadership, best practices, these are the types of things that we're talking about. You know, open, honest, communicative, transparent, authentic. Is it safe to say that where, where there's disharmony within just the family nucleus in terms of how they communicate, that that is often one of the biggest deterrents to success within the business environment? hundred percent. I, yeah. I think uh, one of my favorite quotes is in the introduction to Pat Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm -hmm. I believe that's the book it's in. And it's the, the introduction says, not technology, not strategy, not finance, but people is the ultimate competitive advantage. So building a team basically that is works well together is the ultimate. True. Speaking of competitive advantages, the coaching space, I think is one of the most competitive ones, uh, especially with the maybe soft regulation for lack of a better word that you could yeah. use uh, for the industry. What are you doing to stand out for the car, stand out from the crowd and what do you consider to be your competitive advantage over others in your space? Great question. Um, well, so one of my competitive advantages is the number of years that I have in the space. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a coach since 2004 and a consultant since 1987. So I have over 30 years experience uh, coaching and consulting small businesses and entrepreneurs um, and family businesses. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, I bring proven practices and, and uh, I think many coaches have that, mm -hmm. but I've, I've identified a niche 
that I think makes me somewhat more of a specialist. Uh, and that is dealing with rising generations in family businesses. Um, these could be rising generations in entrepreneurial companies as well. But I find I like the family business a little bit more. There's a little more loyalty to the employees that they hire and to the coaches that they, they bring on. Um, so those engagements tend to last longer and the longer they last, uh, the more effective uh, we are. And I think the third thing is, is to continue to provide thought leadership in the space. Um, I do that through having a podcast, having a book that's, that's featured on the backdrop here, Disruptive Successor, and by building a, a brand that is strongly identified with rising generations in, uh, you know, in family businesses. I think it's really important is to continue to offer uh, content um, and uh, uh, interviews and, you know, and then bring a sort of a superior set of best practices and skills and then expertise, you know, which is comes from the length of time in the business. Yeah. I'm a big believer in the brand you and uh, going about being very intentional about sharing, expressing, communicating your thought leadership and something you're passionate about. I think is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself, which leads me to the title of your book, Disruptive Successor. So tell us a little bit about the impetus for that and what yeah. leaders can expect. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the impetus for writing this book was that I wanted to sort of stand out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. I wanted to own some words in the marketplace, which I do if you type in disruptive successor, um, I certainly own that. Now, if you're a parent, you probably are kind of cautious about hiring a coach who's gonna be coaching your kid to be a disruptive successor. But if they talk to me, I think they'll understand that I'm not talking about overthrowing their leadership um, it'd be a gradual overthrow. And that's something they should want uh, unless they have no other dreams and desires than just to you know, die at their desk or in their factories, right? We, we want older people to go out and explore and experience life. And, and we want younger people to learn um, what it's going to take to take the business to the next level. And they're going to have to disrupt several things. A younger rising generation First of all, it's going to bring technology into the business where it probably either didn't exist or didn't exist in a really big way. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Microsoft Office programs. I'm talking about, you know, full enterprise uh, resource management programs that are fully optimized for mobile so that people can be knowing what's going on in the business without having to physically be there. So sure. technology is, is one big thing. They're also probably going to have to get rid of some of the dead weight or old, you know, old, older people that have been in the business. Now, I'm not in favor of just like getting rid of older people. I am one of those older people, but those older people are going to have to adapt to the changing times. They're going to have to learn how to use these technology applications so they can be a vital part of the business. They're not going to be able to do things the way uh, the way things used to be done, uh, where it was maybe very informal. Um, so there might be some more corporate type processes that are put in place. And the final thing is, is there's going to be probably has to be some kind of transfer of ownership, transfer of equity, uh, transfer of control. And that's got to be done 
Um, and that's going to be somewhat di disruptive to the way things are currently. And so that's what I mean by disruptive successor. And so my book is basically a playbook for how leaders, of ri rising generation leaders, can put this into place. Fantastic. So I'll give you 60 seconds to encapsulate how well you know your ideal audience. So I want you to speak to the camera, speak to them, let them know that you understand their fears, their worries, their doubts, the stuff that keeps them up late at night as it relates to the overall health and well-being of their company. Two words you used a lot in describing um, what you do, what you've experienced that have kind of led you here. Not so much here necessarily in the podcast, but I did read some of this on your bio, is finding freedom and fulfillment, which are two very significant Fs in my book that I think every entrepreneur yeah, sure. should be seeking. So take 60 seconds, speak right to the heart of your audience, uh, your ideal target audience, and let them know how they can find you if they've resonated with some of what you've had to share on the podcast today. Great. Thanks, Ike. So, hey, if you're a millennial, you're a next generation family member in a family business, and um, you'd like to take this business to the next level. You'd like to maybe 2x to 10x this company over the next two to 10 years. And you don't have a roadmap for how to do this. Maybe your growth has slowed because of it. Or maybe your growth is accelerating, but you don't have processes to manage the growth. You don't necessarily have the right people and your profits are inconsistent. Then you need to hire someone, a mentor, an advisor, an expert, who's been down this path and helped many others before you um, with a playbook that's proven with best practices. If you are interested in any of this, then pick up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor. Um, you can download a free chapter at disruptivesuccessor.com. You can learn more about my coaching at thegoldhillgroup.com. And let's schedule an exploratory Are We a Fit call so I can help you implement my proven action steps. Awesome. Jonathan, it's been really, really rich spending time with you. you uh, I have no doubt you've got a wealth of information. 30 years in coaching and consulting combined, man, that's, uh, that's a passage by itself. So uh, I thank you for sharing some wisdom with us today, and I look forward to continuing the dialogue. Hey, folks, we've enjoyed uh, bringing you another exciting episode of the Thriving Advisors podcast. Until next time, take care and God bless. Welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinair Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. 
We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. 